Hi, this is Dr. Meg Hayworth, holistic psychologist and nutrition strategist, and you're listening to Get Well Soon podcast series, the show that explores how to heal yourself with food and the power of the mind. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Meg Hayworth, host of the Get Well Now podcast series and creator of the Get Well Now and What Celebrities Eat coaching programs, helping people heal themselves of chronic illness and persistent symptoms with food and the power of the mind and heart. As a celebrity nutritional chef and holistic psychologist with nearly two decades of experience, I'm so excited to bring you some of the most seasoned professionals in the arena of health and wellness. So please share this podcast with anyone that you think might benefit. I have other great interviews with top names like celebrity nutritionist J.J. Virgin on traumatic brain injuries, Chris Wark from Crispy Cancer on what everyone needs to know about cancer, Quinn Claybaugh, author of Be Nice or Else and owner of the Paul Mitchell Salon Schools, and Dr. Kim DeRamo, best-selling author of Mind Body Toolkit and so, so much more. So for anyone that leaves a review this month, you will be entered into a drawing for a free 30-minute Get Well Now session with me, plus a downloadable copy of my acclaimed cookbook, Done With Dairy, Giving Up Gluten, 14 Days to a Delicious and Healthy You. So please just take a minute of your day and help get the message out of the show and get it to as many listeners as we possibly can. Very excited to speak to Sean Tasson. MD, PhD. He is a double-boarded physician in obstetrics and gynecology and the American Board of Integrative Medicine and holds a PhD in mind-body medicine from Saybrook University. He is a practicing OBGYN, author, speaker, and patient advocate. Dr. Tassone is the author of two books, Spiritual Pregnancy, Develop, Nurture, and Embrace the Journey to Motherhood, and Hands Off My Belly, The Pregnant Women's Guide to Surviving Myths, Mothers, and Moods. He has written and published extensively on topics of spirituality and medical care, and he is an advocate for whole foods to heal the human body. He is an instructor in integrative medicine at Arizona State University, and he has been on the faculty at the University of Arizona and the University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center teaching residents and medical students. His belief is that the human body was made to heal itself and that the medical model should involve more patient-centered care with an active patient and a passive healer. He has written for Psychology Today and was the content editor for About.com Women's Health page. Welcome, Dr. Tassone. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Wow, you have quite a background. Um, and I love the way that you're fusing Western medical, spirituality, psychology, uh, so many different things together. So you've got an incredible background and I imagine an amazing toolkit to help people. So, uh, so how does an allopathic physician end up with board certification in integrative medicine and a doctorate in mind-body? I think you, you have to go through some sort of wounding in general, uh, you know, uh, I think it was Carl Jung that said the the deeper your wounds, the better of a healer that you are. And so true. And so many, and uh, to paraphrase, but I think it's true. And, you know, a lot of us have wounds, um, you know, and it's, there's some obvious ones. Like, you know, I have a friend who's an endocrinologist and he was born with juvenile diabetes. You know, it makes sense that that's what he would go into. But, you know, I, I was... Uh, I think my 
moment, if you will, was much into my career already when my mother uh, passed away and I had the opportunity to, uh, to hospice her. And as a physician, you know, watching the body fight to survive and then all of a sudden it just stops and you realize that that person that's sitting there in front of you, um, that body, that shell is not really my mother. That's not what my mother was. That's not what, what, and I, I just, when I left the room that day, cause I'm an only child. So I was kind of there on my own with my stepfather and I just needed to find out. I needed to find out what, what else that was. What, what I mean, I grew up Catholic, but I needed, I needed more. And so I was actually, interestingly enough, in Sedona on a weekend with my wife and I was reading Andrew Weil's book, Optimum Living. And at the back of the book, there was a little page that said, if you're a physician and you're interested in integrative medicine, you know, come to this website. And I, you know, I was just, you know, in the mood. So I went to the website and one thing led to another. And in my typical fashion, I, I signed up and um, not really knowing why. And over the next two years, I just found this camaraderie and this belief system that I didn't really know was out there. I didn't, I mean, I, I'd heard about it, but didn't really have time to look at it. And, you know, I came out of the residency program where the saying was heal with steel. And uh, that's, what we, that's what we used to say. And, and to go and look at this other system where you've got you know, herbal supplements and you've got nutrition and you've got spirituality, but the spiritual side, we had an eight week course in that mm -hmm. two years on spirituality, spirituality and medicine. And uh -huh. that was the, the thing that really kind of conked me on the head. Uh, Dan Pinchbeck has a book called breaking open the head where he talks about his trip into the Amazon and uh, where he did some, uh, Iboga, which is similar to ayahuasca and, uh -huh. When you do that ceremony, when they do it for their, their adolescence, they hit them on the head with a rock um, so that they open up the skull because they believe the teaching of the ancestors can kind of come in uh, at that point. And I kind of like wow. in the experience at the University of Arizona and in that integrated medicine program is kind of that rock hitting me on the head because it really kind of opened me up uh -huh. to other things. And that's where it kind of just wet my whistle, you know, and then I said, oh, I really want to spend a lot, of, a lot more money. So I went and got a PhD. After that. <laughs> that's great. And learned a lot. And I'm, I, I can imagine this really informs your medical practice on a daily basis um, with your patients. It's interesting because my medical, a lot of people that go to integrative practitioners, it's kind of a cash-based business. You know, you'll mm -hmm. you'll pay a pretty good lump sum and then you have to go back and every time you go, it's cash-based. And I've just mm -hmm. never really done that. I've always been insurance-based and insurance mm -hmm. doesn't pay for in integrative medicine consults. Um, mm -hmm. So I might see a woman for menopause and I will talk about bioidentical hormone replacement, but I'll also mm -hmm. talk about supplementation. I'll talk about you know, eating, you know, certain things to help with some symptoms. And to, that's an integrative way to do I'll send people to acupuncturists. I will uh, send mm -hmm. them to chiropractors. And that's really the integrative part. And I think that, you know, you don't have to spend $1,500 for an hour to talk to somebody and get that kind of care. I think it should be available to everybody. Yes. I mean, I completely agree. And I think fusing the Western medical model with the, uh, spiritual traditions, this, um, philosophies of health and wellness and 
you know, as you said, even in your, your, uh, bio, you know, the body has the ability to heal itself. It's a matter of giving the body what it needs, um, with, for the mind, for the, for the body, for the spirit, for the whole being. Right. So, and Andrew yeah. Wiles said it great. You know, he, he, the, one of the classes he was teaching, he said, if I'm in a car accident, you know, take me to the emergency room. But yes. if, I had a, if I have a cold, take me to my naturopath. And I, I yep. think that's, that's really true. There's, there's places for both. And I think there should be providers in both, but there should mm-hmm. also be people out there that bridge the gap, you know, that, naturopaths that have that allopathic bend or Mm -hmm. allopaths that have a more natural bend and and they can be the bridges and then you have your people that are your trauma surgeons that are doing their thing because you need them to save lives Um, right that kind of thing yeah 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 well I love what you've been doing um here especially for women because as an OBGYN that's you know who you your population that you work with and so can you tell us some more about your work with women in menopause well, about eight years ago, I had the, is it fortunate or unfortunate circumstance of being listed in two of Suzanne Summers' books, um, oh. The Sexy Years, and then I think the other one was Breakthrough. And mm-hmm. at the back of the book, she's got a reference section for providers, you know, that, that kind of she endorses or whatever. And the interesting thing was um, I, I was the only one that she listed in the whole state of Arizona. And I had no idea um, what happened when she went oh, on And I literally had like 200 patients call from around the state wanting a hormone replacement appointments. And I had to close huh. my panel because I, I couldn't get any of my other patients in. And so by wow. that bent, I started doing a lot of menopause and uh, obviously perimenopause uh, at that point. And then had patients of uh, Uzi Reese, who's out in California, who didn't want to fly out there every six months, they would, they would come see me. And, uh, so I really had a huge population of women that would come see me for menopause and over mm-hmm. time, uh, really shifted my, um, my belief system because it used to be, you know, you gave Permarin, you gave Prempro, um, mm-hmm. synthetic hormones and, you know, we thought they were the fountain of youth and they were going to make everybody live longer. And, and then the WHI study came out uh, about mm-hmm. six years ago that said everybody gets breast cancer and then mm-hmm. everyone freaked out, stopped their hormones. And then about half of those women called back the next day cause they were miserable, uh, cause they all stopped yep. hormones. So I tried to learn, you know, not just the bioidentical hormone replacement with compounded hormones, but also mm-hmm. how can you achieve that? Not just for women that can't take hormones because maybe they have breast cancer or they have blood clotting issues or they just don't like the idea of it. How can you achieve that potentially and live a more quality-based life, um, mm-hmm. protecting your bones, protecting your heart, and, mm-hmm. and really just protecting your quality of life? And so that in and of itself has led me looking at more and, and more things like, um, you know, it's, it's kind of silly, but uh, a lot of women that are menopausal have issues with vulvar uh, thinning and they'll have uh, irritation of the vulva. And uh-huh. most doctors will prescribe estrogen cream for that. And yeah. my number one thing is coconut oil. And oh, okay. I can't tell you, women look at me like I just am speaking a foreign language when I say coconut oil. <laughs> and two months later, they come back and they've told like 20 of their friends how great it is. So there's so there's uh-huh. some things that you just get overlooked. And um, I kind of feel mm-hmm. like, you know, that's 
and it's kind of fun. It's fun to find this stuff out and, and share it. Yeah, that's a great tip. Because, yeah, I hear that from a lot of women as well. I mean, it's not a fun place to be in, you know, no, um, when, you, when it becomes pa- becomes painful to have intercourse as, as you go through menopause. So, I mean, those are just some of the problems that happen. Um, now, what, what kinds of foods do you recommend for women as they go through menopause? Well, I think the first one, you know, the biggest thing with menopause is obviously hot flushes and the vasomotor type symptoms that cause you to to feel hot and cold and, and irritated. And so usually, you know, for that kind of thing, it's you can get into things like isoflavones or, or soybeans. Um, there, there's a couple of books out that talk about that. The problem with that type of thing is that you need to really eat quite a bit of the soy protein to get the estrogenic effect. But you might not, you know, maybe up to 60 grams a day to to get like a 50% decrease in your hot flashes. But a 50% decrease might be great for some people, um, might be just the thing. The other thing that I use a lot is uh, flaxseed oil or uh, evening primrose oil. And the problem is, uh, most it's not so much that women don't know that as much as they just don't know how much to use or how much to take. And what happens is you go to the store and you buy a an omega-3 fatty acid supplement, and it comes in a capsule. And the, yep. the problem with the capsule is in order to really take a dose that's going to help you with your symptoms, you need to take about 14 mm-hmm. capsules. And uh-huh. you, <laughs> Most were, people aren't going to do that. Yeah, and if you were to just buy, um, like, uh, one of my favorites is Udo's uh, Choice, UDO, Udo's Choice Perfected yes. Oil Blend. Mm-hmm. And I'll start women on that uh, maybe one or two tablespoons a day. And I've gotten women up to about four or five tablespoons a day, um, and it really knocks things out just immensely. It, it helps because hormones, you're still going to make some hormones with your fat cells and um, mm-hmm. with some aromatization externally. So if if you can feed your body cholesterol, because we're so afraid of fat in this culture, yes. um, but your yes, hormones come from fat or cholesterol. So if you can give your body the good fat to build what it needs, um, most of the time you'll get it, you'll get it done on your own. Um, the other things are, you know, trying to stay away from, uh, caffeinated beverages, uh, sometimes, um, just because mm-hmm. that can add to the irritation and anxiety. And then things like, uh, the okay. big, the big item right now that's wonderful is, uh, maca. And again, uh-huh. a lot of women want to try it or they have tried it and you've got to know about maca because there's 13 different phenotypes of the plant. Mm. And Mm -hmm. if you don't use the right ones or you don't use the maca in the way that it's biodigestible to us, it's not going to work. And so, you know, you can't just go, no, I'm not trying to dig on any one company, but if you you just go to Costco, say, and you buy the first thing you find that's the cheapest, and then you throw it away because it didn't work, well, maybe it didn't work because it, it just wasn't the right kind or repair. Uh, I see. So that's part of it is I teach people how to read labels. I teach, you know, I, I really teach them what brands to, you know, to spend the extra money to get a good brand. Yeah. And then there's other things too in menopause, like, you know, the insomnia um, that, that often comes with, uh, with some of that. And I, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll teach about, uh, you know, grand, my grandmother for everything, a uh, chamomile tea way back when was the, it cured pretty much everything. And mm-hmm. we used to laugh at her, 
but um, but she was right. You know, I mean, it's really, <laughs> it's really good for sleep, and it's good for upset yeah. stomachs, and um, it can help with um, just kind of that overall anxiety. But I use hops a lot. Um, oh, okay. Hops, just like you know, they make the beer with. Uh, yeah. Hops, the flower. They, if you use that, is a very calming uh, effect. I've gotten a lot of women off of uh, in menopause off of like Ambien and and prescriptive sleep aids with just simple hops, uh, which isn't, which is not addictive. Um, and it works really well. I've, again, you know, it's like $9, uh, for a month's supply and, and it's perfectly safe uh, to use. Um, there's now hops though, for somebody with a gluten allergy though. Right. And, And that's the other thing. I mean, you just, you have to know, I've had women ask me that, you know, like, well, what else can I try? And there's other mm-hmm. things, you know, like valerian root. But, you know, the, there there is a great thing for women that are menopausal that uh-huh. um, that is progesterone. Progesterone naturally stimulates the sleep center in your brain. And mm-hmm. so sometimes just a little bit of progesterone before you go to bed at night will fix the worst insomnia um, that you have. From what source? Um, well, wild yam. They usually, if you get okay. uh, compounded hormones, they make most of their hormones from wild yam. The problem is a lot of women will buy like a wild yam product over the counter, and the, what that has in it is uh, disacarya, which is the the breakdown product in in the yam. Mm-hmm. You, we can't use that as human beings. So what the compounding pharmacists do is they take that compound and they make it into progesterone. So you really need to get a prescriptive strength progesterone if you really want it to, to work. Um, oh, interesting. Over-the-counter okay. stuff usually means that it, you know, it's kind of like taking ibuprofen. It might work for some, but for somebody that's got really bad migraines, you probably mm-hmm. need to use something a little bit stronger. And that would be okay. the time to consider uh, a, like a progesterone agent. Um, and I'll use that, you know. And, and the, night, the thing that I try to do, too, is really just give women a choice you know here's mm-hmm. you got you got hops you've got chamomile tea you've got progesterone what what sounds good to you you know what is it for you that is really gonna you know i have some women that like to grow their own stuff and so mm-hmm. she may want to grow something you know or or grow some you know eat something that she can make on her own and in austin that tends to be a, a more popular thing because we oh, have, okay right you know a kind of a, a hippie-ish type uh, clientele, yes. but um, it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a great there town. There are a lot of people out there more in tune with that. But you can also use tryptophan. Um, you can buy tryptophan or you can have a glass of warm milk. Um, you know, Grandma used to say that too, and mm-hmm. there's a reason for that because it works, and I don't think they knew why it worked, but, you know, sometimes those folk, those folk remedies come from hundreds of years of practice, and I think we tend yeah. to blow them off, but... Because we don't have the necessary, you know, the science behind it. But the reality is there's usually, if you break it down, there's something behind it that shows that it works. Absolutely. Um, the whole plant is something that's incredibly powerful. And I think that, um, well, too, I mean, Western medicine saying we've, we've got the pill that we've created and this is better, it's stronger, it's going to work faster and all of that isn't necessarily always the case. True. And, and the main thing, I'm sure you hear this a lot, is weight gain. Um, mm, yes. And I have yes. my own theory. I'm sure I will win the Nobel Prize for this. But 
Okay, you awesome. Pictures, you do it. If you take a if you take a woman and you have her look at her pictures from like ten years old, twenty years old, thirty years old, up through say eighty, if you have that availability, what happens is you see you know the skinny little gawky kid at ten, and then mm -hmm. at twenty she's probably fairly thin still, but she has a rounder face and rounder features. And then 30 and 40, she kind of thins out again. And then 50, she starts to get that kind of spare tire around the waist. And the fat mm -hmm. seems to be a little more deposited around the belly and the, the butt and thighs. And then mm -hmm. probably around 70, she thins out again. And mm -hmm. I think the reason for that is because we have not evolved far enough or quickly enough as a species, we've sort of outlived our, um, our hormones. Um, mm. Women, you know, 200 years ago probably didn't have menopause very frequently because they died in their 40s and 50s. Mm. And that was the expected lifespan. Well, now right. we, we live to, into our 80s and 90s, and the ovaries just haven't evolved to the point where they can keep up with the demand, so they poop out around 51. Um, so what happens is your body needs the estrogen. And it's like I said, it's really good at healing itself or taking care of itself. So what, what's a, a main problem in, in menopause is osteoporosis. And it's a, it's a bad thing to get. You know, it can cause fractures and all kinds of problems. And so what is your body going to do to protect your bones? It's going to try to make its own estrogen. And how does it do that? With fat. So it doesn't want to let go of the extra fat when you're 50 because it's sitting there going, I need this because I need to protect myself. And so plus estrogen is good for your heart. It lowers your cholesterol. There's, there's evolutionary reasons for, for women to hang on to fat. And so when you're in that stage where you're, you know, you're getting that spare tire, it's kind of your body's way of saying, you know, I kind of need this. So maybe if we balance your hormones or help you um, by eating, you know, higher fat or or other things to help balance that or even use bioidentical estrogen, your body will be a little more prone to losing fat if you are, you know, trying to do so. And then when you're 70, your body doesn't need it anymore because it's kind of winding down the life process. And I think that's when it lets it go. And so... It's just my theory. I don't necessarily have the science to back that up. But but I think for women in menopause, that's why it's so hard to lose weight. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Um, so, uh, and, you know, I mean, then there's also the obvious uh, thing that I deal with a lot with what people are eating, too, are uh, contributing gr greatly to the weight gain. Well, what I'm assuming is as that they get everybody older. eats well. <laughs> yes. If only, right. <laughs> yeah. So, because so many people just aren't even eating real food, mm -hmm. um, and that has a cumulative effect. So, as you get older, it just gets harder and harder and harder for your body to process those food chemicals and all of those things as well. But so, yeah. Do you then do you prescribe a specific diet for your clients based on what you know? Well, you you probably do this way more technically than I do. I'm I'm kind of a, a simplistic man. I um mm -hmm. I try to keep things simple for myself and um simple for my patients. I think the more confusing it gets um in the 20 minutes or so that I have to talk mm -hmm. to them. Um, right. The less they're going to take away from it. And so, you know, the big conference now in Austin every year is the Paleo FX conference every year. Oh, uh -huh. And, you know, um, paleo's kind of made a big surge, but <laughs> it makes a lot of sense to me 
in the sense mm-hmm. that I always just tell patients, if you can pick it or kill it, then you can probably eat it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but if it's coming out of a bag or a box or some sort of packaging, you probably mm-hmm. shouldn't eat it. Um, yep. And that's probably where we get 90% of our calories from is out of boxes, bags, and, and other, you know, foreign substances. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I just, you know, I always tell my patients, if you want something sweet, instead of drinking juice, eat the orange. You know, I mean, because the orange yes. actually has the fiber in it to lower your glycemic index. It was built that exactly. way versus mm-hmm. juice, which has high fructose corn syrup in it. Um you can't eat the same amount of oranges that you could get, the, you know, by drinking the juice. It's just probably not physically possible. Um, right. And I, so I, I try to get people to just do that initially. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it's hard, you know. I mean, you grow up eating, you know, bread and pasta and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I have a teeny little son. He's 11, but he only weighs 60 pounds. And he's uh-huh. a vegetable eating machine, but he'll eat an entire box of little Debbie Swiss cake rolls if you'd let him. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, I remember he, doing he that. <laughs> eat his vegetables before he eats anything else. And so, you know, right. I'll let him have the little Debbie's every once in a while. If he's going to 90% of the time eat, you know, good stuff. Over, overdo the vegetables, <laughs> but don't overdo the little Debbie's. So. Yeah. He, he has an addiction, but, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, he's also addicted to broccoli. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah. I like that. It's a good addiction to have. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good, good problem for a parent. Um, okay. So what other kinds of things might you recommend for, uh, women in menopause? Basically, you know, obviously exercise, um, mm-hmm. is a big thing. I'm a huge fan of testosterone in menopause. I think it gets, undervalued because women don't think that testosterone is necessarily a female hormone. Uh, It gets attributed to men. And then when we think of testosterone, we think of those guys that are freakishly large. Um, Uh And the reality is women have testosterone until they get into menopause. And when it's gone, I, I have been seeing testosterone levels pretty much zeroed out around 35 in most of my patients. And it really? may be diet, but I think it's probably more lack of exercise and physical activity. Um, oh, that's interesting. But okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, the more that you demand of your body, the more that it's going to give you. Again, I think it's a self-regulating environment. Right. Um, do you find that and women, women are afraid, that... a lot of women, and I think it's changing, but a lot of women mm-hmm. say in my generation in the forties and fifties are probably a little afraid of, of weights because they think they're going to get big instead, you know, when the reality is you, you just get toned. Um, so I will, and you know, my wife, who's also a gynecologist, calls decreased libido the plague of the 21st century because it's so prevalent in women that are, you know, in their 40s and 50s mm-hmm. um, that it's, and, and what do men do? Well, they make you feel horrible because you don't want to have sex with them. Um, which mm-hmm. then feeds back on the cycle. Um, and sure. for a lot of women, it, the testosterone doesn't help you. I always tell women, the testosterone is not going to turn you into a sex machine. What it's going mm-hmm. to do is give you a little more energy. And if you have more energy during the day, you might be more interested in sex at night because you're not completely exhausted. And so uh, that makes sense. it's kind of a secondary gain. If you have a better mm-hmm. perspective on life, if you feel better about yourself, then you might 
want to do things like have intercourse. But for women, especially menopausal women who are already kind of feeling somewhat miserable, you know, mm -hmm. I always ask them, name the top 10 things you want to do today. Is sex on the even remotely close to the list? And 100% of the time they say no. Um, yeah. And for guys, it's probably in their top three. So mm -hmm. uh, it's a mismatch. And I, I think that. Right. Um, but the other thing, the, the, the last thing um, is that, you know, my mom had a hysterectomy when she was like 38 and she had her ovaries removed. Mm -hmm. And as a kid of 14, I remember this vividly where she would get mad at me about something and, and yell at me. And it, because it obviously wasn't my fault, um, my response to her was, did you take your pill yet? And huh. in our culture, wow. <laughs> menopause is kind of a bad thing. It's like, I always mm -hmm. ask women, you know, well, my husband said I need to come in because I'm being, you know, the B word, I'm being bitchy. And right. I said, is it possible that maybe you're just in a bad mood? I mean, yeah. for guys, nobody calls us we're testosterone deficient if we're having a bad day, but yep. women, we blame everything <laughs> yep. on hormones. And yes, we do. It's like, oh, you're time, having a bad period, yeah. or, you, or your husband's yeah, jerk. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, there's, there's that possibility. That, you know, I mean, <laughs> flip, flip it around. You know, exactly. I have found that most of the time, menopause is a lot better if I do the dishes. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, it does help to be supportive of your mate. Yeah. You know? Uh, in terms of exercise, though, is there specific types of exercises that you recommend or don't recommend for women that are in menopause? I'm kind of leaning now towards um, a combination of, of um, for a lot of people, I think aerobic activity is a little intimidating, but um, aerobic doesn't have to be like, you know, marathon running. I think just getting out and, and moving your body three days a week, it, it, just taking a walk or, you know, a lot of people now are into the high intensity training, but women that are menopausal may not want to necessarily do that if they've worked all day, um, you know, and they're tired. But just getting out and walking with your friends or your your spouse or your kids, mm -hmm. um, and then and just kind of balancing that. I'm a big fan of weights. I think that the nice. anabolic activity that you get with big joint exercises like lunging, um, squatting. And then uh, the upper body work, not only does I think it d does it make you feel better, but that building of muscle helps you burn calories. You know, an extra yep. an extra pound of muscle every day burns 50 calories just sitting on the couch. So um, that to me, plus it's really great for your bones. It's good for your balance. I'm a big fan of yoga, just body resistance, uh -huh. you know, sometimes yeah. is the best, the best thing. But you have to look at it. You know, I, I have obviously a lot of patients that are, um, you know, fairly overweight and mm -hmm. it's, it, you, yeah, the main thing is you got to be ready. You, you have to want to do it. So and, true. That's the, the first step in anything is to make that decision that, yeah, I'm doing this. And if they want to do it, but then really what is, what, what are they going to do? Um, I don't necessarily want to, again, I, I'm kind of all about options, you know, um, I have a lot of women that like to do orange theory um, if because they do it as a group with their friends. And if that's going to get you out and do it, then more that's great. Um, my wife goes out at five in the morning with a group of six of her friends and they have a little kettlebell thing that they do. I can't even move at five in the morning. Yeah, I'm the same but way. But <laughs> she, she really looks forward to it. You know, that's her thing. And, and that's her protected time when she can doesn't have kids, doesn't have, you know, it's her, it's her time. 
<laughs> and I think that's important, whether it's meditating or whatever it is that you can do to get back into yourself and into your body, I think is, is good. Yeah, absolutely. That connection. I think a lot of people uh, become disconnected from their bodies. They're not really listening to what the feedback that they're constantly giving us, you know, just in terms of, hey, I eat this thing and oh, that's what upsets my stomach or um, that's what makes me feel tired, you know, 20 minutes later. or Well, I so. living in the moment. I mean, I say that that's a whole, but it's hard in this yeah. fast-paced world. You're always thinking about, well, what do I've got going tomorrow and when do I have to yeah. get up? And instead of like, oh, I'm sitting here at a dinner table with my children, you know, how great is this? You know, it's yes, hard. Exactly. Hard yeah, us. it really is. It is a challenge. So, um, uh, oh, and one quick question I too have about the exercise piece. So if a person, if who, a menopausal woman um, exercises regularly, does that help to increase the testosterone levels? You know, or are there some other so ways the testosterone to is made um, in two places uh, for women. It's made in the ovaries and it's made in the adrenal glands. Um, so you're always going to have a little bit of production coming from the adrenal glands even as you age. But is testosterone going to generally get a huge boost from you um, exercising? <laughs> it's not like a, probably a direct correlation. But as I said, with um, exercise, with weights and stuff, um, the more that you increase your muscle mass, you're going to stress your body to make more testosterone. And so as you continue, um, you're going to increase your body's demand. And there's there's ways to increase your testosterone. And I think, you know, one of the guys that I really read a lot of is the Mercola. And, oh, uh, yeah, me too. You know, he's mm -hmm. the main way to increase your testosterone is to do high intensity training, like I talked about, where you... Yes. You do Orange Theory or you do sprinting and, you know, or whatever sprinting is for you, that will help. Mm -hmm. Losing weight helps, obviously, because your, your estrogen level drops a little bit. For some women, I think, you know, if you're low in zinc, you could increase your zinc content a little bit, 25 milligrams a day. Um, mm -hmm. As I said, strength training. And for what I, strength training for me is you really focus more on the the technique. And, and I think women are much better at that than men. Um, mm -hmm. not worried about how much weight you're lifting, but doing it right. Um, yes. Uh -huh. You know, uh, I probably 95% of my patients are super low in vitamin D. I think getting your vitamin D levels up is great. Um, mm -hmm. Cortisol levels probably kill everything, including sex drive and uh, muscle mass, uh, trying to get your, you know, your stress mm -hmm. levels down, yes. whether it's with a supplement like ashwagandha or, um, with um, uh, other, you know, types of uh, adrenal complexes or using something like yoga. Um, mm -hmm. Meditation. And cutting out sugar. Right. You know, sugar's awful. Uh, oh, it's the worst. <laughs> it's, it's so good and yet it's so bad. Um, yeah, it feeds all of the bad things in the body too. Well, you know? and we're coming off of that. I mean, I remember when I was in college, the big thing was how awful fat was. And so they came mm -hmm. out with those cookies called snack wells yes. um, that had no fat in them. So you could eat as many of them as you wanted. And, and it was all sugar. Yeah, and it was all converted sugar. converted to fat. We'd eat like boxes of them thinking we were being so healthy. And um, now we're just going, when we're going in the other direction because we realized how, you know, silly it was. And then the last thing I think you could probably do is, um, you know, one of the, the gurus right now of this kind of stuff is uh, Dave Asprey. 
with uh, Bulletproof. Yes. But BCCAs are those branched chain amino acids like he has in his brain octane and um, his Bulletproof coffee, um, you know, palm oil, coconut oil, things like that will definitely help because you're giving your body the, the building blocks to make it. Um, yeah, those are all great suggestions. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, I do have another menopause question. Um, I know that a lot of women seem to be going through menopause quite early these days. Uh, do you know of any reasons for that? Oh, where do you start? Mm. It used to be that um, menopause was considered early if it was um, before 40. Um, obviously, um, I think more women now are probably getting surgeries, uh, like hysterectomies, um, Mm-hmm. You know, even if you don't have your ovaries removed, it can sometimes, you know, affect the uh, the blood flow to the ovary, which can, you know, make that worse. I think a lot of the medications that we're on these days for mm-hmm. um, autoimmune problems that are probably more prevalent than ever, Hashimoto's, Mentoid, um, uh, yeah. you know, we're taking all these um, uh, steroids and steroid-like medications that um, are advertised mm-hmm. on TV constantly like these saviors, but... I think they really, you know, they can lead you into menopause because they attack the ovarian tissue as well, all those medications. Oh, wow. um, smoking is back on the rise because of the vapes mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And smoking can, oh, right. can definitely, um, you know, you got girls that are smoking now earlier than they used to. And, um, oh, interesting. So that, you know, and I think it's because it's more glamorous and they put the... Um, they put the flavors in them now. And so it's just, it's easier to get to, but you know, we have, uh, you know, we have more, interestingly enough, we have, we have more estrogens in our food supply, um, by the fact that mm-hmm. so many women are taking, uh, birth control pills and urinating into the, the water system, mm-hmm. plastics mm-hmm. everywhere. Yes. BPAs. Mm-hmm. BPA. If you take exogenous estrogens in higher doses like that, your ovaries aren't going to need to make as much. So as you age, you're going to, your levels are going to drop. And I think that you're going to, you know, you, you don't probably eat as poorly as you age either. So as you eat mm-hmm. better and you have been taking these exogenous estrogens for a while, it's it, your, your biofeedback system is, isn't ready to, to make more estrogen on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of societal things like sometimes where you live, if you live in big suburban areas, um, and it's probably more diet related in, in those areas as well. And it's mostly stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big, that's a key factor in so many things these days. So, um, gosh, well, it's, I could keep talking to you, but this has been awesome to have you on here Thanks. and talking about menopause and helping women get through it and some natural ways to do that. I really appreciate that. Now you have a free download on eating your way through menopause. Yeah, I have a couple things. Um, one is I, I have the five, I have my five little happy things you can do to uh, get to make menopause happier, easier. And then I mm-hmm. also have a little um, handout on some of the suggestions that I went through that is a PDF of uh, kind of how do you eat better for menopause to help yourself. And if they go to my website and just uh, put their email address in there, I'll uh, they'll get all those for free. Um Okay. And your website is? Uh, it's Dr. Dr. Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Tassone, T-A-S-S-O-N-E, DrSeanTassone.com. Awesome. Great. One thing okay, I want to so leave they... with, though. Sure. Yes. Women come in and they say to me, how can I go through menopause naturally? Like, what's the best thing mm-hmm. to do? 
And they don't like this answer, but I say it to everybody. Menopause is a natural state. Um, yes. It, you're not broken. Um, it's what your body's doing, but it's most of the time it, it stinks. So if you can get through it, it's going to get better. Um, it might take a couple of years, but it will get better. Um, yeah. But it is a natural process, and you're not abnormal. I mean, it's not an abnormal thing to go through. And yes. if people don't understand that around you, then that's their problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly the attitude that I took. I went into it very early. I uh, went in at 43. Mm-hmm. That is early. Yeah. And uh, I, that's exactly what I decided. It's a natural part of life. And the more I make a big deal out of it, <laughs> the worse it's going to be for me. And I'm always, I've always been a proponent of natural health and healing. So I just, you know, researched it and got through it. And, uh, and that's what I tell people as well. So I'm really happy that you're out there as an OBGYN, um, giving that message out. I think a lot of women need to hear that. Thanks. Yeah. So I appreciate your work so much. Um, is there any, any other things that you want people to know, uh, things that they can get from you, um, ways you can help them out, they, ways they can get in if, touch with you? If they do get in touch um, with me through my website or through uh, Facebook, which I think you're going to post, or my Twitter feed, um, I am going to have a, a book that's coming out probably in the fall or winter on how women can coach themselves through uh, through menopause. And it's really going to be more about learning about like what we talked about, but learning about estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, cortisol, melatonin. And then I have a concept I call the hormonal map where I can show you where you're either too dominant or too deficient and kind of how you can fix those different things to make it a little more balanced. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's going to be so powerful and important for women. So thank you. And it's coming from a man. So there you go. There you go, <laughs> with a lot of experience. So. so male gynecologists aren't all that bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I tell my wife that all the time because she's a female gynecologist. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny, but no competition there, right? Never, never. <laughs> I told her she can do all the work. I don't mind staying at home. I'm good. <laughs> That's good. She doesn't like that, though. So Partnership, keep contributing together. Yep. Um, helping a lot of women um, get well and stay well. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for being on the show, uh, Dr. Sean Tassone. I really appreciate you so much. Um, So thank you, listeners, for listening to this. Um, If you have issues with chronic illness and you know there's a connection between the food that you're eating or not eating and you need help with what to eat, that's what I would love to help you with. Just find me on Facebook and you can message me under Meg Hayworth or you can join my private wellness community on Facebook also called Get Well Now or check me out at meghayworth.com to sign up for a free consultation and Please just take a moment to leave a review right here on iTunes. And for anyone that leaves a review this month, you will be entered into a drawing um, for a free copy of my cookbook, Done With Dairy, Giving Up Gluten, and a 30-minute strategy session for you. So remember, food can kill you or food can heal you. The choice is up to you. This is Dr. Meg Hayworth. Thank you so much for listening. And I truly hope that this podcast series will help you get well now. For more information, go to meghayworth.com to sign up for our email list, 
get your free copy of five anti-inflammatory on-the-go lunch recipes and access to our private Facebook community. Thank you so much for listening.